Welcome into episode number 147 of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. Definitely a fan of the show, well, a friend of the show, but a uh, a bigger Steelers fan than a, than a fan of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. I have Jim Plotner. Uh, I think he's he might be calmed down by now. I don't know. His blood pressure is probably still ticking up there, but... Yeah, it's it, the blood's still boiling, but <laughs> understandably so. I just don't grasp how you stuck with Mitch Trubisky this whole game. I'm screaming like bench this fuck. The fact that people are clamoring for Mason Rudolph, it's like you know what? It couldn't get any worse. So exactly, just, just see what Mason's got at this point. Friggin' Mitch Trubisky's overthrowing everybody. He's like throwing it to Aaron Hernandez's friggin' ghost <laughs> out there. It's like, and, and then fourth and two with the game on the line to keep it going. Instead of doing a check down or a quick little screen pass, or better yet, take one of your running backs, create a hole, and let him just run up the gut. What do we do? Matt Canada style. Let's bomb it. Yeah, great fucking play call. There's just, a lot. Of, there's a lot of drama coming to light in the Steeler locker room, though. A lot that's coming out that uh, Cam Hayward's getting vocal about it. Mink is getting vocal about it. Eventually, it's just going to wind up. It, it's Cam Hayward's already said that you know the day should just bench the underperforming players. Listen, dude, you got to do at this point. If you're not performing, sit on the bench. Watch somebody that is. Yeah, I mean. I would, they keep showing all over Twitter. There's a, a clip of Pickens. He's like right near the end zone. And like, I think it was the last play for the Steelers. And he just like, I've seen him do it a lot where he'll just like put his head down. Like, here we go again. Like we didn't, we didn't get it. We didn't get it done. And that's another guy there. I mean, you look at the Steelers team and you, you start thinking, you know, are they talented enough? But <laughs> excuse me, they have, they have guys that can play receiver. They, I don't think Najee Harris is a bad back. I, I don't think the offensive line gives him any type of, uh, of, of room to run. I mean, like you watch him, he has to kill himself to get four yards. Like he's he's uphill battle every time. And I mean, you said it. You 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 hit the nail on the head. Where like Trubisky is just, I I don't quite get it either because in Chicago he really wasn't that. I mean, he had his moments where he was really bad, but. It seemed like something. I don't know if it's mentally. I don't know if it's the just he doesn't know the play. Like players aren't running to the right spots. Like I don't want to make excuses for him, but he is like not that he was great before, but he is well. Like when he's out there, it's like watching Sam Darnold. Like it's just they have no idea what they're doing. That's yeah. And look, it's look completely freaking lost out there. And then and then he and he's sitting there and he's walking back to the bench. He's wondering why the fans are booing him. Or I, I, I think at one point he might have heard me yelling at the freaking TV. So suddenly he looked up. He goes, is that Jim? And in the van calling me a fucking prick? Yeah, that's me, asshole. It's, I, it's I hard. I get it. But the thing that the Steelers are afforded that most teams don't have is that you have a younger quarterback. When he goes down, you do have a veteran that can kind of step in and is supposed to keep the team afloat. Unfortunately, you know, Mitch found a way to sink the Titanic further than where it already is. And it's creating a lot of questions and a lot of doubt, a lot of, you know, is Tomlin part of the problem? I think everybody's part of the fucking problem, to be honest. I, you know, Tomlin could come out at the end of the game. He could be fiery. He could say, 
you know, we're on to the next one and we're going to get it right. You know, it's like listening to Aaron Boone with the Yankees. Eventually, the record gets broken. Nobody wants to hear it no more. And eventually, we're clamoring for change. Maybe Tomlin is still the guy. Maybe you just need a new staff. At the end of the day, like I've always looked at it like the head coach should pay the ultimate price because he's the head coach. Like, whether he's sh- like, I-, I don't know how to word that correctly, but like, whether it's his fault or not, he has to take responsibility. And like, <laughs> I- it's hard, man. Like, one thing I look at this is. Like without your starter, it's hard to to beat teams. But like you knew going in, the Patriots have a good defense. That's like that's that's all they really have anymore. But like I don't know. Even if you're second string, uh, God forbid third string, like you gotta somehow, some way, you gotta try and and win the game. Like you can't just be throwing balls all over the place and missing guys. You know, mm-hmm. missing high, missing low, left, right. Like it's at, at the end of the day, you're kind of auditioning to be a quarterback on a different team or you know if you're lucky you get you get another spot on on the Steelers again and Trubisky's done nothing since he's been there for me to think that he'll he'll be back um even like and as a Philadelphia fan I see it all the time like you know our players get I mean they were booing them in the the 49ers game and the, and the Eagles are 10 and 1 at the time so um the fact that the Steelers fans were clamoring for Rudolph and they were the boo birds were coming out. That's not something I see in Pittsburgh a whole lot. They're they're a lot more supportive fan base. They're they're like the the St. Louis Cardinals fans. They don't really boo their own team. Um, and yeah, man, that's never a good sign. I, I think I I don't know how you feel about the whole like Tomlin has winning seasons year after year after year. I I personally like yes, that's nice to have. But if you're not winning playoff games, I could care less about that. Like at Ooh. the end of the day it's either you have great success or you're like what, like you're just like the rest of the league, either you make the playoffs and you lose or you don't even make it. So I'm not a big fan of that. Like, yeah, he he has winning seasons year after year after year, every year. Like he's never had a losing season, but I mean, he has one Super Bowl and that was a long, long time ago. And I'm not going to say inherit it from Cower. Like he got it, but it's just been, there's been too many locker room problems. The Steelers aren't really that known to be that type of team. I, I think you just need a whole new voice in that in that team in that locker room and I like you said man I, I think his his voice his, the voice and the message is getting stale to the fan base and it's getting stale to the to the players I would think because there's just way too much way too many problems and what do you think but we'll we'll talk the quarterback position too even with Pickett in there but well with, with Tomlin like yeah it's yeah it's great you never had a losing season. You won a Super Bowl, but it was with a Bill Cowher built team. Exactly. So you inherited Bill's players, but you haven't won one with the guys you helped draft. Now that, that now that's the problem. You've never gotten to that point, and you can blame X, Y, and Z. You could say, well, the Antonio Brown drama. Okay, but you can't let that affect the on-field play. Okay? You could blame NFL officiating. Again, they don't cause your quarterbacks to throw interceptions or your offensive line to not block properly, or your defense to commit stupid friggin' penalties left and right. And, you know, I, for one, have always been a Tomlin supporter, but it, I don't want, but the thing is, if you think that the Roonies are going to fire him, they're going to let Tomlin walk on his own accord when Tomlin wants to walk away. So for everybody on the below IQ app that thinks that the Roonies are going to fire him, that his, you know, that he's on the hot seat, you know, it's sitting in an inferno, whatever you want to 
fucking call it. <laughs> he's, he's not going anywhere. I think if you bring Todd Haley back, which Todd Haley has said he would come back if it if if it was presented to him, and I think you kind of got to go with that. Terrell Austin's got to go as the D coordinator. He's got to get a whole new staff of coaches, and then let's see if there's a change. If it's the same shit, then the Roonies, unfortunately, have to sit there and look at the head of the problem, and that's Tomlin, and he's going to have to take the bullet. Yeah, it's it's I can only imagine because I remember Carson Wentz, like week in and week out, it was always, you know, we'll we'll look ourselves in the mirror and we'll we'll fix these problems. And then literally the same thing would happen next week and the next week and the next week. And, the, and it was just like that's how he eventually got benched because it was the same result every week and costly interceptions, costly decision making. Like I never thought it was Wentz's talent. It was more so he just he came unraveled and mentally he was either he wasn't there or he's he's second guessing himself or he's just throwing the ball into triple coverage like it reminds me of like how Tomlin's kind of handling things as of the last couple of years because I did want to talk to you about what you, what you think of Pickett right now but obviously him not playing last night it, it's yes I understand you got to move on to next week but when you're saying that I mean this team was six and two and now they're seven and six I mean it's at some point you got to say we're not doing things the right way and it, it, either you get it corrected or you don't. It's really as simple as that. I think, like, with, with, with Kenny Pickett, it's kind of you can compare it to, like, the Daniel Jones situation where you have this offensive coordinator that's inept and he's not helping you, he's hurting you. In the sense, so how's Kenny supposed to progress and become that guy and eventually Ben's true replacement if you have if you have this inept offensive coordinator now you've gone away from that, and now we have to see. But I don't even – I think if they even keep this Faulkner guy with Mike Sullivan, the combo that they have of the two, I mean, he has a comfortability with Mike Sullivan. So I think if you bring Todd Haley in with his style of play, I think Pickett could totally flourish. The issue is you got to have – you got to get George Pickens to kind of yeah, calm down a bit. Listen, let the game come to you. Don't, you know, like – he doesn't have to sit there and throw a tantrum because he's already getting the, the you know the comparisons to being Antonio Brown Jr. That's something you don't want <laughs> to be compared to. I mean, you want to be compared to him on a level as a wide receiver. As a person, you don't want to be compared to him. And Gosh, Pickens yeah. is starting to kind of go that route, and it's <sighs> it, it's it's tough because and to to me, Antonio Brown like really wasn't just I mean like who knows it could have been that concussion that forever screwed him up but like when you have a hall of fame quarterback like in Ben Roethlisberger throwing you the ball like you shouldn't be throwing temper tantrums like not to take a shot at 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 Kenny Pickett but I'm sure there's a lot of plays where Pickens is open and Pickett's not seeing him or he's not getting you know he's not accurate enough at times to get him you know like I can understand him raging and the fact that like he knows he's a good player he knows he can make plays and he's not getting the ball because of inept offensive either play calling, execution, whatever. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's it's tough to turn that off and and kind of flip that switch to, all right, I'm going to be a good team player today when things are going wrong and you think you're better than than what's you know what's being shown on the field. But you're exactly right, man. Like that's not how you get a long contract extension. That's not how you're respected over the league. Like I I even think. Like Stefan Diggs is part of the problem in Buffalo. I, I'm not gonna sit here and say Josh Allen is is 
you know, as good as he once was, but the fact that he, I think he's force feeding um, digs yep. the ball so much that it shows the, or it, it kind of makes him look shittier. Like, oh, you know, now he's throwing more picks. Now he's throwing in the double, triple coverage. Cause if, if Diggs doesn't get the ball, it's going to be a whole scenario on the sideline. It reminds me of Odell in New York where he's flipping shit and kicking balls yeah. into the net and everything else. So. Well, that's what I compared the Diggs Allen situation to is Ben, Ben and Antonio, where it's, you know, Diggs feels he has to be the number one guy, but you have a, a, a reliable tight end and a rookie in Dalton Kincaid. They underutilized James Cook in, in Buffalo. And even though Allen's a turnoff, uh, a turnoff, a, a turnover problem, because people act like that, like that he has like never turned the ball over throughout his whole career. And he has since his rookie year. It just, it is what it is from that front. But, um, you know, but the, the two situations are very, very similar where it's like you see Diggs frustrated on the sideline with, you know, oh, he's not getting me the ball. And you saw that with Antonio Brown. He's like, I don't give a shit if I'm quadruple covered. You throw me the fucking thing. And it's like, okay, well, you see what happens when when that happens. It's a turnover. And then you're blaming the quarterback when it's you don't know what's really going on. And then you find out and it's like, oh, okay, well, we've been blaming the quarterback this whole time when really it's this guy acting like a diva because he wants to be number one and these guys have to realize I you know listen I, I get you want your stats but it's a team sport you know last night I checked they're not called the Buffalo Digs they're not called the Pittsburgh Pickens or the Pittsburgh Brown <laughs> you, you know they're not the friggin you know the uh, Minnesota Justin Jeffersons you know the Miami Tariq Hills you know it's a it's a team sport and that's something that you know there's some of these guys have to realize so what if you don't have and that was that was part of the problem when they drafted juju juju has a good year antonio brown's pissed off what's the big deal you're, you're being double covered which creates more of an opportunity for somebody else to score and win games because that's the that that's the end all be all is win games get to the playoffs win a lombardi so What's the big deal if you had a bad game, he has a good game, or you, or you had a decent season, he had a better one? As a veteran, you're supposed to build up these guys beneath you because they're going to be your replacement at some point. And that's something that a lot of these guys are afraid of. They don't want to give up their spot. And like Tom Brady, that's why he played till he was like 9,000 years old. But, I mean, I mean, as far as the Steelers situation, they got a lot of shit to fucking fix. A lot it's, of shit. I, I don't know if Doc Bill can fix it. I don't know if Sally Jesse Raphael can fix it. I mean, they could go on Oprah. Everyone gets a therapist. You get a therapist. You get a therapist. You get a therapist. <laughs> Tomlin, you get a therapist. And then Tomlin's like, we do not care about therapists. Like, <laughs> It's no, it's there's a lot there. Um, like what what Brent from the fourteen twenty sports podcast definitely check that out. He talks about whether it's hockey players or or NFL MLB. Like I think a lot of these guys are just told how great they are their entire careers. Like they're coddled from the coaching staff to a certain degree. I mean, I'm not gonna say like Nick Saban's coddling people, and there's certain coaches out there that will definitely just let you let you know you're not performing but like George Pickens for example he might and and even AJ Brown like I watch the Eagles every week and if he's not getting the ball like there's been times where the Eagles are 
like I think it was the Dolphins game, one of those, and Devontae's getting the ball, you know, drive and drive and drive it, drive in, drive out, and uh, AJ Brown kind of walks over to Jalen Hurts, like give me the damn ball, like you know he's he's making a scene of it, and I'm like, look, man, we're winning. Like I, I at the end of the yeah. day, like I get it, receivers are always divas. I mean, being an Eagles fan, we had one of the biggest ones for one year, To basically <clears throat> tried to completely dismantle our team, um, but. I don't know, man. Like I, I get it's hard to separate it. Like I want to be the superstar and you know, we can, we can win, but I want to get the ball. Like I can understand why that would be hard for some of these guys to get their mind wrapped around it. But if you're not in it to win it, like I don't, I don't really want you on my team anyway. I'm not saying this, the Steelers should get rid of Pickens, but it's like if he continues to be a problem and it's, it's becoming detrimental to the other like if the other receivers don't like him, if the Kenny Pickett yeah. or the offensive coordinator or Tomlin, like they're always bashing heads. It's is it really worth having one guy when if you just nail a, a draft pick or a trade, you can go get another guy that as as a talent level you can take take a risk on and you know, he's probably close to how good he is. And yeah. it, I don't know. Like it, it's it's definitely a problem with receivers and it has been for a while, but it's it is very toxic to the, I mean, you saw what Antonio Brown did and I'm, he's, he's a different breed, but it's, I don't know. It happens a lot. And the thing that I'm starting to see with the Steelers that I never saw growing up. Cause I've you know been watching football since the early two thousands is like there. I know there were locker room problems when, when Brown, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, but this feels like it's cause they're underperforming as well. And there's locker room problems that it, that only, that only spirals more out of control. Well, like Minka, Minka made it perfectly clear last night because they asked him, what do you think the issues are? And he came out and he said, you know, I'm not going to quote every word he said, so I'll kind of paraphrase it a bit. He was like, you know, he's like, these guys come here, they put on that black and gold, and they just think that, you know, they could win without putting in any of the work. He goes, we don't do that around here. He goes, you want to win, you put in the work. You, you know, you're just not going to get this entitlement. He's like, and, and he goes, and that's something that people need to check that at the door. And they got to realize, you know, when you come here, you're, you're going to put in the work. If, if, you know, if we're going to put in the work, you're going to work just as hard as us, if not harder, because you should have more to prove. We've already been doing this, so we don't have to work as hard because we can go out there and do what we do and not have to put in all the work. Because we're already at that level in the NFL and we're already at that point in our career where we could kind of get away with it. You're not there yet. And I think he's kind of taking the shots at Deontay. I think he's taking a shot at George Pickens. I honestly think, at, you know, and probably countless other guys, the one person who's safe from all these people's wrath right now is really Kenny Pickens. Because he's trying to do what he can do, but your offensive line can't protect you. He, he doesn't have time to read through all the frigging progressions. How does George Pickens want want to get the ball if Kenny can't see him because the ball snapped in three in, in, in less than half a second? You know, you, you have like an Aaron Donald in your face. <laughs> right. Come on. I mean, come on. It's it's just one of those, you know, you know, they can have all the team player meetings they want, and they could say all the right things, but if it doesn't translate on the field, it could come the offseason. I, I really don't know what you what what they're really gonna do. You got rid of one problem and I said that wasn't gonna be that wasn't gonna fix it all. You have other issues, but they wanna like 
kind of, you know, with smoke and mirrors, like, okay, we got rid of Canada. All right, so let's go out and beat Cincinnati. Okay, that's great. So for one week, we got blinded by all the problems because the offense looked better. Fryer Muth looked unstoppable. You know, uh, you know, the friggin' one game was phenomenal. You know, even though they had to clean up other stuff. But then you shit the bed against baby Yoda. That yeah. I mean, even now though Pick, obviously Pickett went went down in that game, like, oh my god, that, that Cardinals team, yeah, they play hard, I'll give them that, but if you're a if you're a playoff team, if you're a team that can win a game in the playoffs, like you got to take care of business, like against yeah. a team like that, and then against a bad New England team like that. But we'll uh we'll take a short break. We'll come back, talk some Kenny Pickett, talk uh, Juan Soto and and base you know the baseball moves that have been going on. But yeah, I uh, I totally understand your frustration, man. It's it's <laughs> it's one thing after another sometimes, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess we've touched on a lot of the issues. I, I don't know if – I don't want to say Kenny – like, I really do like the kid, Kenny Pickett. He's he's tough as nails. I, I will stand by that statement. I will die on that hill like Garrett well, Garrett says. But it's – do you think, like, long t- – I'm not going to say is he going to be Big Ben level because that's, that's hard to – that's hard to step into those shoes. But do you think he's the long-term solution at, at quarterback, you know, for your Steelers? This offensive line don't protect him. It's going to be a fucking short career. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be honest about that. I mean, if you get him the right coordinator to call the right plays, but but this is where this goes hand in hand because you can have the right coordinator, the right play, but if he can't execute it, that's where the issue lies. And, you know, where we gave Canada a lot of criticism, there were times where it's like, Okay, you draw up this play, and it's like the perfect play in this scenario. But then Kenny shits to bed. But it's like you have Steeler fans on this side. Oh, it's Canada's fault. I wouldn't have ran that there. Oh, really? What would you have run on fucking third and one? A fucking hail mary at the goal line? <laughs> like you know, you 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 can't you can't put all the blame on the coordinator. You know, just like you can't put all the blame on the quarterback. You know, but when something when something you know. The quarterback's got to execute. We understand they're not going to be perfect at executing. It's going to be times they overthrow a guy because, you know, it may, maybe it's bad timing on the receiver's part to go up and get it. You know, maybe, you know, can he do it too early or, you know, a Justin Herbert throws the ball too early, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, you know but, it, you know, like I said the other day, there are guys who have been removed from this game two, three years already that are still the guys of their team, and they haven't played. Like, you look at the Giants. Eli Manning has been gone how long now? He's still the guy in, in, in I'm not going to call him the New York Giants, the New Jersey Giants, because Daniel <laughs> Jones Daniel Jones is not taking the progressions to take that spot from him. You know, in Green Bay. It's still Aaron Rodgers is their top guy, and he's not even there. And what's funny is is not to not to say you're wrong. I, I agree with you, but um, the fact that Jordan Love put like the if you look at the numbers of like I, I forget how many games it's been, but they have like Rodgers and Love's numbers line up. I mean, almost identical to the very like completion percentage, touchdowns, picks, all that. He he kind of made me eat my words Sunday night, and I kind of had to, you know. 
because when me and Garrett recorded Sunday morning, I was like, it's a waste of a pick. He's not going to be the guy, blah, 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 whatever it is. And then Sunday night, he's out there. He looks like fucking Rogers. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? Come on. But, you know, I, I listen, I, I, I did my episode. I said, listen, I said, he ate, he, you know, he had a great game. But again, it's one game. We've seen this with Jordan Love. He has one, he has a week. He's phenomenal. Shits to bed. Phenomenal. Shits to bed. Keeps him afloat. Shits to bed. You know, it, 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 you know, it's a cycle where, and it's the same thing with Kenny Pickett. Has a great game. Shit to bed. Keep him afloat. Shit to bed. That's been the career of Kenny Pickett so far. But again, is it all on Kenny Pickett? When we have the same stale bullshit going on, how do you want the kid to friggin' progress? I think he can be the long-term solution if you eliminate all the drama, like I saw on Twitter earlier, you know, somebody's like, well, how's it a locker room problem if we're seven and six? If it was a locker room problem, we would be, you know, like three and eight or whatever it is right now. And this this guy that I follow that, that you know, we talk on Twitter all the time, he's like an old school Steeler fan. And he goes, well, if Ryan Clark says it, then I trust it. Because Ryan Clark, you see, the thing is this, I, I love this. So... You know, like you have former Eagles players that do podcasts, right? Yeah. yeah. Or, or in the sports media. So, like, Ryan Clark has his own podcast. He's on ESPN. Anything Ryan Clark says, everybody takes with a grain of salt. But if Ben Roethlisberger does it, it's crucified. Like, how could Ben talk about Tomlin like that? Or how could Ben criticize this? Or how could Ben say that? Do you realize Ben's been waiting fucking 18 years to say some of the shit he's been saying? And he's not wrong when he's saying it. Um, you, um, know, it uh, and, you know, um, it, it, you know, it's like the famous CM Punk line. Tell me when I'm telling lies. Somebody tell Ben when he's lying because he's not right now. Yeah. No, and I, I don't mean to cut you off. The Unlike Dave, like I, I it's tough because like we, you know, we have that conversation of like Deshaun Watson, the rape allegations and then Ben, but I, Call me like, uh, what do you call it? Con- like, maybe I'm contradicting myself, but I've always liked Ben, regardless of, you know, off the field shit. I I don't know what happened. You know, you don't. No one. No one other than Ben, and I'm sure of some of the people in the Steelers organization. But, um, I've always like rooted for him through and through. Like, I I've just I think the guy had tremendous heart. Like he, fucking guy, would put his life on the line basically for a first down half the time. So. Unlike, you know, Brady, where he, he comes out and says, oh, I never wanted to give a defender any credit uh, or I didn't want to get boost his ego by not getting up right away. And I'm like, ever since Brady's and I, you know me, I I know how you, how you feel about Brady, but ever since he's uh, retired, it, it's been it, he's doing anything he can to kind of get the spotlight back on him. Like yeah. worse than worse than a Brett Favre, where like that guy could not, you know, find his way out of a spotlight. But when he kind of called it quits, that was, I mean, that whole money laundering situation is totally different. Not, we don't need to talk about that, but like my thing, Brady is, and I, I, and I know you saw the interview that he did where he talks about this product right now is in a state of mediocrity. Yeah. Right. I, I, I don't know. I know Tom Brady wasn't hit in the head a lot as a quarterback because the league did everything to protect him, even like wrap him in a fucking bubble. But he played in a mediocre AFC East for two decades. For two decades. He then 
played, he then played in a mediocre NFC South where literally if we formed a team, we could fucking win it. Okay. And you're sitting there and you're talking about the product that protected you for 20 plus years. Now it's mediocre. Now that you're away, it's mediocre. That's what you're saying. Oh, okay. Tom Brady. Oh, put me in a room with this asshole. <laughs> he's, he's ego man. Like I've said it through and through people say, Oh, he took less money. Oh, like there's all these defenders out there. Oh, he's the, and I'll, I was... commend, I'll commend him for that because you know, he did him and Ben did the things that you wouldn't see other guys do to keep the guys that they wanted to continue to be a winning team. I'll commend Brady for that all day, but anything else? Nope. Yeah. No, and it's just the the Brady supporters come out. Like, that whole, like, yes, I don't even like saying it because I just, I don't have that much respect for him. So, quote, unquote, the GOAT, whatever, that conversation, like, we don't even need to have that. But just that got so nauseating to me and the fact that we – I mean, he cost, you know, we, we finally beat him in the Super Bowl, which I wouldn't have wanted to beat anybody else. All right, let me get it. Don't get it yeah. twisted for a second. But it was just always like you couldn't get away from that guy. And, like, now he has this year, uh, you know, apparently has this year gap between, you know, this year, next year, and then he gets in the booth, which I will not listen to a word he says. Um, but now, like, he has to get on these podcasts and just it's not like he has to say, you know, I'm grateful for my time in the NFL. I I will forever cherish it. It's the product's not as good, you know, basically making it about himself, whether people see it for that or not, you, you should see it for that. Cause he's, he's pulling a LeBron where he has to, no matter what the situation is, he has to make it about, about LeBron or about Tom Brady. It's, it's, yeah, it, 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 it's sickening. And, you know, this product that you say is so mediocre is the same product you played in for 20 plus years and it was mediocre then it really hasn't changed at all the only thing that's changed is that he ain't playing ben ain't playing eli's not playing peyton ain't playing Brady, uh, yeah. brett you know brett Favre is money laundering philip rivers is creating an mls soccer team inside <laughs> his wife's vagina um <laughs> You know, Drew Brees, unfortunately, he can't do anything with his right hand, so he has to switch to left hand when he wants to release one in the toilet. Um, <laughs> you know, even then it was mediocre, and even then you had the same problems that the NFL has now. The issue is is that there are more people that are looking at it with wider eyes. Like, they took the blinders away, and they're finally realizing, like, we have this problem in the NFL and if Tom Brady doesn't think the problem was there when he was playing, well, then he's one dumb fuck because it was there. He, he, he was part of the problem. He knows that. Like, we both know that. He, that's the thing that will forever rub me the wrong way is he wants to make these, like, outlandish statements. But a rule called in your favor that has never been called since. Yep. And and the fact that, like, where where I, you know, what you said really stood out to me is it's the it's the – the the game that he played for what twenty two years whatever it might be and it's the game he couldn't walk away from so now he's trying to make it well it's a it's a, a less than good product or you know a mediocre like you said mediocre product and I'm like oh that's pretty funny because you were kicking and screaming you were losing your wife to do everything in your power to stay in that mediocre sport because like you said yeah. it hasn't changed 
in any way since he left. It, it, it maybe it's getting progressively worse with calls, but how many call yeah. like that Jesse James call was horrific against the the Patriots. I mean, they've had so many timely calls late in games, late in playoff games. I remember the Jaguars game. There was multiple bullshit calls in that game. Um, okay. Oh, well, well, Garrett will Garrett will remind you of the one that they actually have a. Um, I think in Jacksonville, some diner actually has a meal named after that call. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I just to to kind of take it full circle. I I. Watched the Ben podcast quite a bit. Uh, was that called Channel or Number Seven or something like that? Uh, Channel football, Seven. Uh, well, it's Channel Seven on YouTube, but it's uh, footballing with Ben Roethlisberger, and, and that's a great. Po- I love when he. I love when he has like the former players with him. The, but when he like, when he had the bus on, that was a great one. Yeah, I loved when he had Harrison on. Yeah, and Harrison still to this day could still slap the fucking pads on. Oh yeah, I wouldn't doubt it for a that, second. That, that's what they that's what they kind of need on defense is like another James Harrison type guy. Don't get I'm not taking nothing away from from High Smith and, and TJ Watt, but nobody yeah, yeah, nobody was feared more than James Harrison. And you know, to kind of go back to the Brady thing, you know. Yeah, kicking and screaming how, you know, he can't walk away from this game. It's it's mediocre. This mediocre this mediocre product got you everything you fucking have, you cocksucker. It's got you the mansion you live in, the cars you drive, that stupid goat face jaw outline. It's gotten you everything you've wanted and more. But now because you're not playing, now it's not a good product. Why? Because it's not being played to the level you want it to be played at. Then unretire and you fix it. But better yet, you, you imagine Tom Brady as the commissioner. I mean, I, would there I be would shocked? Be, would I be there shocked? Would be, there would be National Tuck Rule Day. God, it would be. It would be like every twelfth day of the month. It's TB twelve day, and like you have to, you have to eat his diet or something. Like you know, he didn't force things to the to like the entire population because he's I, I just cannot I will forever have so much disdain for that and it's not even yes all the on-field things but just how he comes off as a person like I get it it would probably be hard to not be an ego egomaniac in his position but I've I it's it's the Patriots it's the it's the logo it's the fact they're from New England it, everything to me even when he went to the Bucks it, I mean yeah it wasn't as bad because I just the Bucks are the Bucks. I don't really have a hatred towards them, but the fact that it's him and he's, I get it, he's earned the right to scream at his old lineman, but that clip will forever, like, I would tell that guy, hey, go fuck yourself, you know? Like, you don't think we're out here trying to push people around? Like, we're having a bad day. That happens. Like, this entitled prick is, is, is yes, he's won the most Super Bowls. It's a team sport, and a lot of those defenses back in, I mean, you saw last night, granted, it's Mitch Trubisky. Patriots still have a good defense. They might not have a yeah, clue on offense, but they're ranked, they, they're the fourth ranked defense with like one of the best um, run defenses in the league. You wouldn't expect that with a two and ten team, exactly. So he's had but, that he's had that backbone to to stand on. But so. the one thing he's got to his credit, to be honest, is he was able to win without Bill. Bill can't win without Tom. 
that's the one thing I'll give him where he made Bill better than Bill may really be. Because I, I, you, I do agree. But you see what it is now. He can't win with Cockknock or Mac Jones. <laughs> yeah, another dirty bastard, of course. You know, you, you know, there's a reason why Mac Jones fell in the draft as far as he did. And there's a reason why nobody took George Pickens till the Steelers picked him. Obviously, there's there's something there that deterred these teams away. And Pittsburgh's like, well, the kid's got talent, so we're going to take him. But little do we know he's going to throw a temper tantrum on the sideline that we really don't need to see. Yeah, as always, man. I think we we see pretty uh, pretty much eye to eye on a lot of a lot of these NFL things, and especially Brady. I mean, he's it's just to the point where every time I hear he's brought up, I'm like, here we go again. Like I I, I try not to even look into it because it I just get irritated and people make oh you know you're jealous you wish you had whatever I I if or, Tom Brady would have went from the Patriots like say or as Dave likes to say. He's living rent-free in our heads. Well, when we're still being forced, Tom Brady, we're going to discuss it. It's <laughs> so, down our throats. It's another thing that's shoved down our throats. You know, and 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 I think Dave didn't like when I put the original TB12 out on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I came in and said, uh, you know, no no uh, cheating allegations with that with that TB12. So, um, yeah, no, I, I – we'll move on because I think that's the, probably the best thing to do. But um, – yeah. Yeah, we can kind of switch switch gears, go to the MLB because your Yankees, man, they made arguably not even arguably they made the biggest splash of the off season, um, which shocked the shit out of me. I, I guess pleasantly. Um, what what do you think? Like, give it give it a little bit of a letter grade, and then do you think what they gave up was too much, or or like were you fi- were you just kind of cool with with what they they shipped out to San Diego? I was surprised that they shipped Kyle Hitchikawa in the deal. Like, cause, cause when all the reports came out of who it was, and then the fact that Cashman didn't want to give up Michael King, I'm like, here we go. This is Garrett Cole all over again, but we could have had him like two, three years earlier. But you didn't want to give up precious fucking Clint Frazier, who is now nowhere to be seen. Actually, I think I just seen him when I went to stop and shop earlier. <laughs> fucking taking groceries. Probably, oh, actually, you know, I seen him in aisle five diving for a soup can that was falling because that's all he ever did was fucking dive. Um, <laughs> totally forgot about that guy existing. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Um, this is a move again, and I'll tell Yankee fans this. I don't want to hear that now Cashman's the greatest GM because he pulled this off. You pulled off a great trade. The thing I don't like is that you didn't put an extension with it because you gave up. So you gave up a lot to get this guy for one year and there's no extension. I would have rather them give up the pieces, have the extension. Listen, I can't knock the deal because you know, you have what the Yankees with the Yankees have been kind of missing in the two spot is a lefty who can hit, get on base, walks a lot, has power. And you got that now. You also address the other issue, which is left field. When you got the douchebag from fucking Boston, the kind of people like, yeah, I didn't see that deal coming. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about. I definitely want to get into that with you, but, um, but of, of, of all the pieces, oh, yeah, go, go ahead. Um, no, of all the people, like Higgy, Higgy for you. I I thought Michael King was a little bit surprising because he's been 
pretty much lights out out of that bullet. Like every time I'd see him come in, I'm like, oh, here we go. Like he's he's or a- even as a spot starter because they were gonna they were gonna convert him to a starter. Now we don't know what he's now we don't know what he would be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, but but, but like I said the other day. You know, to get the big fish, you got to get rid of the little fish, and they got rid of a lot of them to pull it off. Yeah, some some really highly, from what I read about, I don't know your guys' farm system. I'm not going to pretend to. I mean, there's a couple guys like Jason Dominguez and stuff, but um, yeah, some of the high touted pitching prospects, I, I did see they shipped those out. Which, knowing the Yankees, they'll they'll still try and you know bring somebody in. Like a, I mean, Frankie Montas, they they missed on, but you know maybe he's back this year. Um, like they'll, they'll make moves at the MLB level to get pitching. I don't doubt that. It's just, you know, will they all fit in like a good puzzle piece? Like obviously Rodon was awful for you guys all year. Um, so that move is going to be one, it's going to be a massive question mark. Like, is it going to turn out like Josh Donaldson where it was just abysmal or does he write the ship and kind of figure it out this year? Well, time will tell, but yeah, I totally agree in the fact that, excuse me, they, uh, they didn't get the extension with Soto. I mean, maybe he, maybe they do. Um, he's definitely going to bring that flavor of uh, the, like the Latin culture, which I'm sure will yeah. will be popping off in in Yankee Stadium. Um, sorry, I hate that dance he does, but it is what it is. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. I think it'll definitely bring excitement. I think it's something the Yankees have been missing with G uh, with the Tin Man Car- G- Giancarlo not being the guy they thought they were getting, and then. Rizzo that's who they, they should have moved. They should have moved Stanton in the day because you because you think about this now. So now because not only did you get Soto, but you got Trent Grissom, which not the biggest name, but he's a Gold Glove caliber outfielder who plays center field. Now you got to put Judge in center field every day, but are you going to play him a full game in center field? No. So now when you got to take so now when you got to take him, make him a DH. Now you have twenty five million sitting on the bench. You could have easily moved that contract. In this is why I wanted the extension with the trade because it was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna trade for Soto. You probably could have kept Michael King if you did this. You you move Stanton with all the other pieces. San Diego takes that contract. So now that contract's off your books. So now you could take what you would have been given Stanton and roll that into an extension. With Soto for however many years and however much money, because Hal can come out and say, "Well, I'm willing to raise what we're going to spend." It's not that you're willing to; you have no fucking choice now, because you tried play because you guys tried going the cheap route. It didn't work, so now you have no choice. You have to overspend to fix every problem you have. You want Jordan Montgomery back? Guess what? Now you have to overspend. You want this guy? You have to overspend. You want Bellinger? Guess what? Somebody could offer him 10 years, 230, but because the Yankees want him so bad, he can go to him and be like, you want me? Now it's going to be 10 years, 275. You yeah. want me? That's you're paying me. And the Yankees have to do, and the Yankees, just like the Mets, are going to have to do that. The Mets overpaid $5 million for, for Severino. I'm not knocking the move at all, but come on. He's not worth $13 million, not with all the injuries. Not at all. No, I don't. I <laughs> It's it's an interesting move. Like it's a move, like you said. I think they had they had to bring in a, a bigger name. Like if they just brought in um, Verdugo and they brought in a couple, you know, decent pitchers, you know, like the Montgomerys and and that caliber, 
I think the fan base would be like, man, what the hell is going like this isn't good enough because we missed the playoff. Like the Yankees don't miss the playoffs ever. And then um that Verdugo move right off the bat, I was like, Oh shit, here come the Yankees. Like this might be a domino effect. And sure enough, there comes Soto coming over. Well, the rumors were that okay, they traded for Verdugo to flip him in the San Diego deal. And I was like, they're not gonna do that. They're gonna keep fucking Verdugo because then you still have the left field hole issue that you know, who are you playing in left field? Who are you going to trot out there? What, are you going to re-sign IKF to do that? No. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. not a legitimate left fielder. Don't get me wrong. He played practically every position, but that's not a legitimate left fielder. Cashman, I'll give Cashman credit. He did what he had to do, but he's still got that long road to go down to fix every problem to get us to stop bashing him. The only way he truly gets any credit is he has to win a World Series with a team he built. Because when they won it in 09, people forget. Those were still pieces that were there from, you know, like yesteryear even. Like Jeter was still there, if I'm not mistaken. You know, um, you know, it was it's one of those, you know, people think that he's the best GM because of the 90s Yankees. Little do they realize Buck Walter and Gene Stick Michael built that team. Joe Torre inherited Buck Walter's guys. Yeah, what well, he Brian won at the, the first year, Brian right? Cashman. Yeah, Brian Cashman inherited all of Gene Stick Michael's moves. So, of course, that makes you look great. And that's not a knock on Torre. Listen, Mike Tomlin won a Super Bowl with Bill Cowher's guys. You know, um, Joe Torre won with Buck Walter's guys. It is what it is. You know, you look at the Rangers back in 93, they fire Roy Roy Nielsen. They bring in Mike Keenan. Mike Keenan won with Roy Nielsen's guys. And so, I mean, you, you can't knock the coach for it, but don't say that the GM was the smartest guy ever because the GM didn't call up Derek Jeter. He didn't bring in Scott Brocious. He didn't bring in Charlie Hayes. He didn't make the deal with the Cincinnati Reds, Roberto Kelly for Paul O'Neill. He didn't do none of that. Somebody else did that. So don't sit there and say that Cashman's the greatest GM the Yankees ever had because Cashman's made more bad moves than good moves. I mean, fucking Hideki Arabu, what the fuck was that? Yeah, the Donaldson one, obviously, that. that. Oh, God, that was a no. Oh, <laughs> I literally, if, if oh, well, the- I'm, surpri- I'm surprised I didn't break my hand on something when I saw that one. <laughs> the- the thing that's interesting about the modern day Yankees and, and like you're plugged, you know, you're in New York, you're plugged in closer. I, I definitely listen to Michael K probably more than any, any show there is as far as sports, just cause I, I love the, I love what they got going on, on, on that show. But to me, I, I think, and I'm not trying to let Brian Cashman off the hook by any means. Cause I'm not that type of person. Like I'll call it how I see it. That's why it's called brutally honest sports. Um, but I still think <clears throat> the Yankees brash and the analytics and stuff like, the player evaluation and stuff is probably above Cashman. Like I'm not saying that he's the worst GM. I'm not saying he's the best. He's probably somewhere in the middle, you know, to be honest with the situation, but like to make that Donaldson trade to make uh, the Joey Gallo ones, another one, it's, it's, it, maybe it's the fact that they're playing in New York, you know, like you've, you've talked about a lot. Not everybody can play in New York. Not everybody can play in Philly. Not everybody can play in Boston. It's, you sign up for that. You're you're just know that you have to perform, or or you're gonna hear it night in and night out. I mean, you saw Stanton getting booed off the field last year. You saw Aaron Hicks absolutely getting 
berated oh. every every at bat. Uh, Donaldson, same thing. Like they let you know, and I and I respect that. I, I think that's a good thing. These guys are getting paid millions of dollars. Yes, it's hard as hell to be a great player, but um, you know you're making that much money. You know, you, a lot of these guys come in with high expectations, and they've done it in the past. So the fans are going to hold you to, to that. Yeah, I mean, like I remember when uh, what was it Lindor and Javi Baez were getting pissed off that like you know fans are booing them, so they're like flipping them off, bro. It, it like because you know there's times where I would go to more Met games and Yankee games because uh, my, uh, my my ex brother in law has season tickets to both because his wife's a Yankee fan, he's a Met fan. So I would always go to more Met games and Yankee games because that drive is just easier. Like to get to the Bronx, you got to take this parkway, then get on this parkway, then cr- <laughs> go over this bridge. You know, it's like you know, it's like Dorothy trying to get to the fucking Wizard of Oz, <laughs> and where where just a simple drive to Queens is easier. You just take the friggin' expressway to this exit, get off, and in like five minutes you're there. And not only that, the parking is easier there than it is at Yankee Stadium. Definitely but, believe that. Yeah, but like. Even me not if me not being a Met fan, if you flipped me off, I'd be like, "Fuck you!" Like, n- 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 you know, not for none. Listen, I get you're a human just like the rest of us, but you're an athlete, and that's how a lot of us view you. First, as we view you as an athlete, if you don't perform, we're gonna let you know about it, and and, and you got to you got to take the criticism. And again, for some people, you know, th- th- and I always use Zach Greinke as the prime example. Why do you think Zach Greinke? never went to a big market team because it was to protect his own mental health. The fact that Shoatani says he can't picture himself playing with playing in New York, that kind of tells you something. I, I can understand. Like that is, like you said, that's the human element. That's, you yeah. know, personally, I, I would, I, the temper I have at times, like if I played in Philadelphia, I mean, I've heard, you know, even Harper's like first couple of weeks, he was struggling and fans are saying 330 for your, 330 million for your bum ass like i i don't know if because i mean he he's the type of guy where he's he's trying to hit the ballpark you know a thousand miles yeah. an hour, hit the ball uh, a thousand miles an hour every time he comes up and he's probably pressing more and more to to show the fans he's worth it and to be able to kind of like you know contain yourself in that moment easier said than done but no i remember that and when they like you can clap back at the fans to a certain degree and and it, you get away with it but when you're throwing the middle finger up, I mean that's that's classic like that. You're a bum for that. Uh, it's and then, uh, yeah, even uh, all these Eagles fans were supporting. Like Jalen Carter was, I guess, crying on the sideline this week when they were getting their ass kicked, and he came out and said, "I'd rather be crying over a loss than crying about how to pay my bills." And I'm like, man, that's such an insensitive. Like now you're you're going at people that are just you know, working their, their jobs and, and trying to make a living to, to come watch your, you make fucking millions. Like don't, when, when the athletes get that ego where they're way above everybody else in, in society, I, I, that can, that turns me off faster than anything, to be honest with you. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, it's like, they, it's like, you know, they have to understand where they came from. Yeah. And some, some of them came from worse situations than, than you know, than you and me. Some of them will come from better situations than you and me, you know, or anybody else for that matter. And it's, I think with some of them, they just let it get to their heads. It just consumes them. And they're like, I'm better than anybody, you know, like, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, like an Antonio Brown, he feels he's above everybody. He feels he's even above the law that he's frigging, 
Like, I, I see, I see, I don't get this. How do you sit there as a man who has kids and you say you don't have to pay child support? Like, douchebag, you know you got to pay that shit, right? You know you can get arrested. You know you can get arrested for not paying it. You know you can get like you 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 can get a lot of shit taken from you. I worked with a guy who got pulled over years ago. Cop tells him his license is suspended. Why? So he didn't pay child support. Like you're a fucking idiot. You you make all this money and somehow you owe people money. Like he still owes his chef like sixty something thousand dollars. You got an arena football team shut down. You were like bringing a Glock into like the practice. Bro, you're not fucking freaking, you know, you're not some gangbanger from Southside Jamaica, Queens. You're fucking Antonio Brown. You're a former wide receiver who thinks he's a rapper. Like, I, 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 I have no idea. I would love, I mean, I, I would hate to see when he eventually passes away, but I would love to see them take his brain. I would love to see them take his brain and have it analyzed and right. see if it's really the CTE that just made him become this guy because you could see how he was before and he was nothing like how he is now he's out there on a golf course dressed up like dressed up like fucking missy elliott and i can't stand the rain music videos with the fucking inflatable garbage bag jacket what the fuck is that all right right. lay it on me there's some some analytics that uh i don't think Jim is the biggest analytic guy, so I'm I'm kind of no. curious to hear what what's no, going on. Not. And uh, and thanks to Brent for making notice of that, um, because he listened to my episode of the trade about Soto, and I mentioned how I don't care about all these other analytics acronyms, abbreviations, whatever the fuck that are made by virgins in their friggin' basement, clickety clickety clacking on their iPad Pros or whatever the fuck they're doing their little fucking <laughs> Venn diagrams on and pie charts and graphs or whatever going upstairs to their mommy getting their Swanson dinner and they're like look mommy look at this pie graph I did of Garrett Cole's whip I don't care like so (laughs) speaking of of analytics I don't know if like you're into rap music at all somewhat yeah yeah so so you know uh, so there's this rapper Noriega who has this um this podcast called uh drunk kings or something like that okay so he had Derek Jeter on recently so they were talking about like the state of baseball, and this question got asked: Has analytics ruined baseball? Here's where everybody's going to think Derek Jeter would like put his lips on the ass cheeks of MLB and say, "No, it hasn't." He said it without a doubt has ruined baseball. Wow! It does not get more legendary than that from the legendary Derek Jeter. People don't something. I, because I, I watched the episode the other day, so I'm like, oh, I got to watch this. I, I said, there's no way. I said, I, I honestly thought somebody like did like a TikTok edit of it. Yeah. So I go and I watched it and I'm like, sure as shit, he said it. I said, and he's not wrong because it has, because everything's so analytical and, and like by the book, like Joe Girardi was an analytics guy and it worked for so long till it didn't work anymore because of the rule changes within baseball. Like, Joe Girardi could manage a bullpen because he's like, all right, well, this analytic says that, say, Bryce Harper, back when he was in Washington, can't hit against, say, Craig Kimbrell, which you guys now have. So that kind of bolsters your bullpen a, a bit. I was actually shocked to see that one. 
Yeah, um, we'll we'll see. I'm 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 halfway because when he blew it for the Phillies, like yeah, I'm, I like two teams. I'm a I'm a piece of shit for that. But um, when he blew it for the Phillies, I was like, good riddance, man. Like, and then of course, when when or, goes to another team you root for. Yeah, you go you go like that's the only sport that I'm like I got two two dogs in the. I mean, gun to my head, I'm I'm like Philly through and through. But like I just got too many ties to, to the Orioles over the years, and like you know going to games. I, I, I've actually been asked that because a guy I work with likes the Jets, but he's a Cowboys fan. I don't yeah. know how you like to so if you're a Cowboys fan, but whatever. Plus, you live in New York. How are you a Cowboy fan? Yeah, but, see. Not, but then again, I live in New York. I'm a Steeler fan, but that's more of a, a family thing. Um, But, like, I was asked if I root for two teams. I'm like, I don't root for like, – the only sport where, obviously, everybody knows I'm a huge Bulls fan from the Michael Jordan era, the greatest of all time. Fuck you, LeBron nut lovers, if you think different. Um, LeBron could win LeBron could win this in-season tournament. And there'll be LeBron sexuals out there that will say this makes him better than Michael Jordan. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Okay. First off, no, it doesn't. Uh, you still have to do a lot to be better than Michael Jordan. Um, you'd have to be Michael Jordan to be better than Michael Jordan. <laughs> but, but like to be I'm a Bulls fan, but like back in the day. When the Knicks were on, well, obviously the Knicks are still on MSG, but you actually had to pay for MSG. Yeah. So we used to have Sports Channel, and the New Jersey Nets were always on Sports Channel. So I was watching this, and now, now we're going back. You weren't even a thought in your dad's brew bag back then. We're going back to, we're going, we're going back to Derek Coleman, Kenny Anderson, Drazen Petrovic, who had one of the smoothest three-point shots I've ever seen. Kenny Anderson... Like, 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 we're going back. And I was like, wow, this net, net team sucks, but they're pretty cool to watch, though. So, like, th- then when they switched over to Brooklyn, you know, I'd still watch them as, you know, I, you know, I'd rather see them win over the Knicks. See, that's, but, that's like the one New York team, like, <clears throat> so throughout the LeBron, when LeBron, I was actually like a LeBron, and when he was in Cleveland, got drafted by Cleveland, I was like, this is cool. Like, I'm, I'm on board. Like, they weren't my team, but I was like, if he wins one, cool. But then, like the decision and everything else start, you know, that, that, that was like the, the dominant or the, the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Cause he does that, which was just the most, you know, self, you know, fulfilling ego driven bullshit that you've ever seen. And then he goes to the heat and like, he, he goes on stage, like, we're not going to win one, not two, not three, you know, the whole shit. And then he starts flopping like every time he goes down the court and, I was always a mellow fan, but I could just never get into the Nuggets too much. So I liked Stoudemire too. And when he came over from the Suns, I was like, "Look, all right, this Knicks team is pretty cool. I'm gonna start watching them. I love both those players." And they put them together, and then sure as shit, like in outside of the Yankees and New, well, the Giants have had some success lately, but outside of that, like typical New York fashion, like they're a great team, but they get to the playoffs. Stoudemire, uh, Stoudemire shatters his hand because he can't control his temper. And I'm like sitting there, like, man, I guess I am a Knicks guy, uh, even though I've been to a ton of Sixers games. But I just love that core of players. Now it's not. See, the NBA to me has lost the appeal since that time period. So yeah. I don't, I don't really whatever. Like, if the Knicks win, cool. If the Sixers win, cool. I don't really have like a diehard interest. I mean, if both of them are in the playoffs, I'll pull for either one, whatever. But it's just uh, to say, like, I, I am a Philly fan and things like that. But I've just I didn't like when Philly started turning into that bankroll team. I that to me, I don't 
like as a Yankees fan, you're, you're probably used to it. That's how it's always been. But I remember the Phillies when they were all like they were the Braves, you know, with with Rollins and, and Utley and Howard. Like these are all farm products. And then yeah. they started they started turning into the money bags. And like I still like the Phillies a lot and like gun to my head. They're probably my my team. But it just I hate I hate a team that builds from the way that they just buy every like everybody on that team is from another team. You know, it's like outside of Alec Bohm and uh, Bryson Stott and Aaron Nola. Like it's, it's everybody else is, is a transport. But like, but that was the thing with the, like the nineties Yankees, like you had the core four and then you had, you know, bought pieces pieced with them. Yeah. They don't, Phillies don't even but, have a core four. Like <laughs> really, but, but, but it was always more like the core guys were, the more valued ones than say bringing in the Chuck Knobloch's past their prime, the Randy Johnson's past their prime, you know, Roger Clemens. And thanks to steroids was still <laughs> in his prime. Um, Andy Pettit, oh, Andy Pettit, um, which by the way, I don't think Andy Pettit should have ever been punished for using a substance that our body creates. It's not like he used it to cheat the game. He used it to come back to the game that he loves to play. That I think is a I think that is something that you should have never been punished for. But and again, I, I'm not the commissioner of Major League Baseball. And, and and that's a funny thing too, because again, 98, everybody knew these guys were cheating. But everybody turned the blind eye. It was entertaining. And, like that, and everybody sits there, and they're always like, why'd they turn the blind eye? I said, well, what happened five years earlier? You had the lockout. Yeah. The last you thing they like, wanted was that to happen again. You lost like a whole season. So it's like, all right, you have McGuire and Sosa for the chase. And you bring Roger Maris's family there. And, you know, all this bullshit. And then the same guys watching it, the same owners watching it and enjoying it, are now the same ones criticizing people cheating the game. You know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. It's one way or it's the other. But for people to act like nobody's been cheating in sports, the people have been cheating in sports and sports became sports. <laughs> well, that's I the mean, stock market, the sports, um, betting, like no matter what, there's always like there's always people trying to get it up or but you know, we can agree, even though far from a Yankees uh lover that like the at what the Astros did, what I don't know the Black Sox or the White Sox that whole like back in the day. I guess they call themselves the Black Sox or whatever, but I don't even quite know what went on there anymore. It's like I can't remember, but there's been like, um, this Michigan thing is kind of like uh, he say she say, but like the Patriots taping practices or like there is a level to this where yes, you can try and steal signs, but when you're hiring people to kind of tape other other teams staff like yeah, there's a there's a level to where it, it becomes bullshit and it's it should be heavily punished i think well the michigan thing is hilarious because now they're trying to freaking give them another contract it's like five years 11 million each year but he has to sign a waiver that says he won't take interest in any nfl offers out there you really want to keep the guy who had a part in the cheating and you want to keep them there. This just shows you how fucking stupid Michigan is. And, and like, and, and when they did the whole, you know, the whole college football playoff thing, if you don't think there was collusion with the com with, with the committee and ESPN, 
Oh my God. Yeah, you best believe it. How does a team I like like I understand NCAA has all these stupid politics and the stupid little rules like, you know, if you cheat, let's just wipe away games off the you know, like off the friggin' record books, but we know the games happen. <laughs> you know. All right. So yeah, Michigan the cheats. I get they go undefeated. I get they're the number one seed, but they get to play in the college football playoff. But Florida State gets fucked over because Jordan Travis gets hurt in a freak injury on a tackle, and you get penalized for that. So then this is where the dumb shits of Twitter come out. And they're like, could you imagine in week 15, Patrick Mahomes tears his Achilles, and they say, well, now the Chiefs can't play in the playoffs. <laughs> and I'm like, so – <clears throat> you so you kind of know where you, so you kind of know how like I get on Twitter with certain things. So I'm like, you're a moron for that statement alone. The NCAA and the NFL are two different animals entirely. One has a ridiculous amount of rules that makes no fucking sense. Like you could eat a bagel in the mess hall, but you couldn't take cream cheese from like an advisor because that was receiving a gift. And then you right. get like your Heisman taken away, like it, it, it's a different element from the from, from the NFL. And I don't think a team in college should be penalized for losing a key player when you have backups that can fill the role. Uh, my thing with that is, and Joey and I talked about this the other night, and he, I, I guess I I came to an agreement with him that they probably picked the four best teams. Uh, but with that being said just because of the injury like because whenever you're on your number two it's it's a question mark so like not to yeah. say that that's the wrong opinion or it's like apples to apples but if you're Florida State I mean you go undefeated even with their quarterback going down at the end of the day they deserved to be in the the top four to me and yes they might their Texas could be better um, Washington excuse me could be better but the thing is they they played they played their schedule they won every single game which in college is hard to do like that's it college is so cutthroat that's why i love it it's you lose one or two usually you're screwed and they they did what they they controlled their own destiny and they did what they had to do and then i think personally just my my gauge on it is when they let tcu in last year and when they let i think it was cincinnati the year before and both like cincinnati got blown out of the water in the first game i think they played michigan um, and then TCU goes to the national champ. They win the first game, which shocked me. And then they go to the national championship and, and Georgia look like uh, the chiefs against the uh, who's bad, the Cardinals this year. Like it was just, I mean, they, they didn't even belong in that. And it sucked to see that. Like, I think whenever you see a uh, championship game, whether it's college, high school, NFL, MLB, whatever, it should be competitive. And I think the NCAA was like, all right, we're going to put the four most competitive teams like on paper to go up against each other because we don't want a ratings collapse like we had last year. Cause I'm sure once it became 28, that's the main, that's the main thing. And, yeah. and that's money. Why, and money. that's why these four teams got picked because it's right. Alabama, Michigan. Yes. It's a sexy matchup. No, 100%. there's no denying that overrated docker free uh, wrinkle free docker khaki wearing Jim Harbaugh against fucking Bill Belichick jr. And Nick Saban. Okay. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's a sexy matchup. I, I'm not. I, I the only thing the issue with me is that Michigan's in the middle of the scandal, and they're being rewarded. And yeah. here's what's going to happen. We all know what's going to happen because this is the jerk, the circle jerk of the NCAA. 
Michigan could go on to win it all. Harbaugh gets over the hump. Wins the big one. And next season, there'll be a punishment. And they'll be like, okay, well, we're taking the national championship away. <laughs> yeah. So, so you let all this transpire to just do this when you could have just put Florida State in their place and not have Michigan play at all and avoid the embarrassment of which this is going to become because a year from now, we will see it. It is going to happen. There will be a punishment handed out. That's what it's going to be. They're going to, if Michigan wins it all, they'll take away the national title. I'm very and possible. 2023, 24 season will be the national champion will be known as vacant. Like in WWE where they put the fucking silhouette of a guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's the championship's going to be that year. See, I, I, if I'm the NCAA, and maybe the refs will be involved in this, or, and maybe they won't. You know, time will tell. But I almost think they're going to do – they're going to try hard. It, it, see, I've been going back and forth on this because Michigan's obviously run the table. They beat Ohio State. They went undefeated. Yep. I almost think that for the NCAA's sake, you would think they want Michigan to lose. Like, I don't think they – because – it's a stain on their – it's another stain on the reputation of college football. It, it's it's a black cloud, that type of thing. And then if they win, yes, the, the, the other side of that coin is the amount of media coverage and, like, just – it'll be the biggest storyline in the last 15 years since probably Johnny Manziel in college football because, yes, you have the Nick Sabans of the world, Dabo Sweeney with the with Clemson going on some runs and, and Kirby Smart with the, with the Bulldogs, uh, you know, with Georgia, but – this this Michigan thing is such a it's such a polarizing topic that they either want to I, I, I don't think the NCAA is on like they're either on one side of the corner or the other because it could be great for college football or it could be like you said, if they wipe the national championship away, like that's that's a stain to I, me. I, I mean, I, I honestly think. I honestly think it's probably going to be split down the middle of people who think this is going to be good and people who think it's going to be bad. And then, well, I would say this. It's going to be 49 and 49, and you got that 1% of fucking morons out there that are just going to somehow just say dumb shit like, oh, well, New England cheated. They won six Super Bowls, so, like, what's the big deal if Michigan cheated and won? Oh, yeah, you already know. Yep. But, but, but it's, like, it, it's like in the games that they cheated – I mean, granted, yeah, they, they you know, they, they still won. But did you really have to cheat against teams like, well, let's just say like Appalachian State? Do you have to cheat against a college like that? Or like if you're playing like Moorhead University or if you're playing like fucking Liberty, do you really need to cheat against those teams? You already know you're going to go out there and fucking decimate them. Yeah, I, it's I, – I don't even know what the th- – like I'm – personally, I'm like – as much as people say, oh, you should, you know, I'm a Penn State fan. I should root for the Big Ten. I'm, I'm completely over this. Mich- I, I, Michigan and Ohio State, I, I can't stand either one of them. So I'll be pulling for Alabama. I think, like, Nick Saban's on a crash course to come back because it's been, you know, Georgia's kind of been the, the face of college football, and Alabama isn't isn't going to play second fiddle forever. And the way they won those, like, the way they beat Georgia and the way they beat that in that Auburn game, like, I just – I'm not betting against Alabama. I think it'll be probably a dogfight, and it'll be a lot of the running game on both sides. But I, I sure as hell hope that that Alabama wins. To be honest with you, I'm just so over this Michigan thing. Well, this is this is why you have the expansion now to 12 teams because yeah. because you always see these teams that shouldn't be in it and they get put in it. 
Like people complained when Notre Dame got put in it. People complained, you know, even even this year, people complaining, well, well, why would you put Texas in? But then you got to look at, you know, like who Texas played, then who Alabama played. Because if you play the same schools, okay, so let's say Texas played Georgia. Georgia lost. Georgia beats Texas. But say Texas played Alabama, beat Alabama. So right. the lot so the logic there is, well, if this team beat this team, but this team lost to this team, why is the team that lost to this team in, but this team isn't in? You know, like something like that. And it's just like it, it, this is why, like, see, I don't mind them expanding it to twelve, but then you're gonna have an issue with twelve, and then before you know it, you're gonna have like you 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 you, you know you're gonna have like the you, you know, like the fucking college basketball playoff. Before you know, it's going to be 64 fucking teams in the freaking playoffs. Yeah, that that can't happen. I, I've thought about what that. They, but what they, what they really should do, and I'm going to be, and it's hard to do because you have so many schools. I, I mean, if you were able to do it like how the NFL has it, where like, all right, you have Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, like Pitt University, and another school in one division. Right, right. Yeah. And then you have like Rutgers and Syracuse, uh, North Carolina, Duke, and and whatever other team, and another division. Like if you had it set up like the NFL, I think that would make it more interesting. Not only that, you would get you would get a lot more interesting matchups because not for nothing, I'm not going to sit there at 10:30 at night and watch fucking um, let's just say Oregon against. I don't know. Uh, let's say Nassau fucking community college. Right. <laughs> I'm not gonna watch that. I mean, I, I mean that that's how half these teams go undefeated because you play one big game the whole year. Well, that's so like, I mean, so, so like, it's so like for Michigan, their big game is Ohio State. I mean, granted, right. yeah, you also play Penn State, but you know, you're not playing these big schools like Alabama, Georgia, <laughs> Texas, or you know, you're not. You know, you're not playing like they're not in your schedule the whole year. You know, like you play eleven games, but out of those eleven games, how many big programs do you play against? Maybe three at best. Yep. So I'll give you credit, you go undefeated, you beat the three big programs, but it's not hard to beat the fucking little guy either. No, you're and, you're and, and people think that like because Alabama's lost a lot of guys at the NFL. If you look at the laundry list, they lost a lot of guys, and people think that that Alabama is just going to fall off and become this bullshit program. Nick Saban, one thing Nick Saban knows how to do is recruit. Yeah, I, I, as much as I don't like dynasties and like, you know, you can call him Belichick Jr. I've always, I do like Saban. He's not, he's not Mr. Vanilla Clam Chowder, man. Like he actually. No, 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 he's not. I, I, well, he's more personable than Belichick. Like you have Nick Saban, he'll actually like answer the questions. Then there's Belichick and he's like, um, I'm on the next week, guys. Um, I'm not going to talk about tonight because I'm already on to next week. And uh, when we get <laughs> to next week, I'll be on to the next week and then the next week and then the next week. And, uh, yeah, and I don't know what we're going to do in the draft, but if Khalid Williams is there, uh, we're probably going to take a kicker. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I can't wait till he retires. But I uh... – This is – the one thing with Belichick, this is, this is something that he's never gotten to do. And people could say, well, he had Brady. But, okay, you had Brady, but do you realize Brady was drafted last? 
Nobody knew what Tom Brady was going to be. If it wasn't for Drew Bledsoe tearing his fucking knee apart, Tom Brady might not ever have been Tom Brady. He might not have ever seen the field, like for all we know. So there's always that what if when it comes to Tom Brady's career. Like, maybe we would have been sick. You know what? I blame Drew Bledsoe for all of it. Because well, Drew Bledsoe gets his knee torn apart. Here comes that fucking goat-faced douche nozzle from fucking Michigan. And here we go. But, like, Belichick gets to pick his next quarterback. I mean, granted, he got to do it, and they thought it was Mac Jones. Huge mistake. Right. You learn from it. But if you think, if you're a Patriot fan, you think Khalib Williams or Drake May, whoever they take, is saving your franchise year one? No. It's not going to happen right away. You know what you know what I'm starting to see though, and and we'll take one more break and then and then come back and close it out. But I'm starting to look at that AFC, uh, yeah, AFC North, or I'm sorry, AFC East. Um, and it's like it's becoming now outside of the Dolphins, the Bills are a question mark. The Jets, I mean, even with Rodgers, I don't that offensive line it needs so much work, and fans are clamoring for Salah to lose his job, which. I don't necessarily agree with that. He's a defensive-minded coach. Their, their defense is elite. Um, obviously, they, they need help on offense. Probably another change of coordinator. But uh, to think, like, next year or the year after, like, that AFC East couldn't could be wide open again. Like, it's, yeah. it's not – like, if Tua goes down and, you know, he doesn't stay on the field, you know, the Bills are complete – like, we just don't know if they're going to be mediocre or 500 or – what they were before, like I think the Bills just need to do a complete fucking overhaul. Yeah, obviously, obviously you're gonna keep Allen there. You're gonna keep Gabe Davis there. Obviously, can uh, Dalton Kincaid. You're you're gonna keep James Cook there. You know, you're gonna keep key guys. But if you could ship Diggs off for some draft caps, I would do it. Especially if you could do it in this year's draft and go get Marvin Harrison if he comes out. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he. Yeah, he's he's going to. They say. Yeah, he's a he's a lock. Unless he gets injured, like he's, I think he's gonna be, just like his dad. <laughs> I mean, he dominated. He wanted. He won the receiver of the year award tonight. So, he's. Oh uh, yeah, the Belichickoffs. Yeah, there's so many awards. I mean, I, I'm a college, I'm a college jerk off for less less than a better term. But there's so many awards. There's so many. Like it's just. I can't keep up with it, but I did see that come across the, the Twitter yeah. airwaves. But, yeah, we'll come back. We'll wrap it up. Um, maybe I'll ask you where the Steelers team's headed and uh, do the shout-outs and call it, call it an evening. You got it. All right. So we kind of went all the way around the horn, but coming back to where we started, really, the your your Pittsburgh Steelers, What ultimately, what do you think? You know, did they make the playoffs this year? And – uh like, yeah, what, what's the, the future look like this season for, for your Steelers? I, I got to be honest because, you know, I, I can't be that Homer fan that, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with this team. You know, everything's all sunshine and rainbows because it's not. It's fucking right now. It's literally like that dumpster that's on fire just, like, being thrown down the fucking street. <laughs> like, this is what the Steelers are right now. And because, you know, they, they, you know, there's people that like to message me, oh, I'm a homer, I never bash my teams. Obviously, they've never once listened 
to an episode of Fan in a Van or have seen me or have heard me guest appear with you on your show or have ever seen me with Brent and Dave or have listened to me and Garrett, I have no issue with bashing my team when the shit hits the fan. The shit has gone past the fan. It's to the fucking second level now. It's on the bathroom wall on the second floor like Bob Saget and Dumb and Dumber. There's <laughs> shit everywhere. That's what the Steelers are right now. Because at, at one point you were you were eight and three. You had you had your playoff destiny in your own hands. And one of the last episodes I did because it was the perfect time to discuss it was you have the Ravens coming off a bye. Their schedule on paper is tougher than the Steelers. But again, on paper, that's the way schedules look. It's till you get on the field. And I said, barring any major injury, week 18 could determine the AFC North. Now with Kenny Pickett out, I got to be honest, we don't need to be a playoff team. I hate to say it, but this team's not a playoff team. So why, why want to be in it? I mean, I can understand you want to, keep Tomlin's record alive. You know, that that's all well and good. You want to be nine and eight again? That's fine. But us Steeler fans are sick and tired of nine and eight and mediocrity and just missing the playoffs, not being a playoff caliber team. I'd rather not be in the playoffs, let everybody get healthy, knock this draft out of the park. Do break the comfort level zone. If there's a guy that you want and you got to trade two years worth of first round draft picks and throw a second rounder in there to move up and do the unthinkable move that nobody would see coming fucking do it but yeah. but they, they, they're not because you know again Kenny Pickett two to four weeks he already had the surgery once when he was at pit on his left ankle now he's having it on his right one I'm not rushing him back no to, it's a, you know to, to salvage a below mid season now at this point, I'm not doing that. There's no reason to. That would be like, that would be like the Jets telling Aaron Rodgers, "We need you to play now to salvage a season that's unsalvageable." Yes, that's what that's what this is now. I mean, the Steelers will finish above five hundred again because that's just what they do. They always find a way, but. It's not going to be the prettiest above 500 team. And if they got in the playoffs, they probably have to fucking play Miami. Granted, Miami can't beat a 500 team, but again, Miami's just too loaded against a Steeler team that fucking right now, their secondary can't stop nobody. <laughs> yeah, tell me, tell me if I know that from my from my team. Oh my God, we can't stop a nosebleed um, yeah. in, the, in the past defense. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I... I wouldn't want them to make the like for their own good because then it's this season wasn't a failure. Like you almost need that, like how the Yankees did it where they missed the playoffs and everybody's like, ah, oh, this season's a failure. Like you can chalk it up to last season finishing over 500. Like if, if the Steelers yeah. would lose out, that would like send massive red flag. Like that would the sound the alarm in the, in the Pittsburgh organization. You would think, I mean, I'm not sure they they act a little bit slow with the Roonies and things like that, but I'm not saying they need a can. Tomlin now or anything, but it's like the way I like the way you just kind of articulated that is like there's no point in forcing Kenny Pickett into this bad. Like he's gonna get beat around again, and I'm not saying he's gonna get hurt again, but you put him at tremendous risk with that O line, and then let's say he 
breaks, you know, his three ribs. And it's like, okay, like at some point he's going to think, holy shit, I can't stay. Like then the, the, the mental chatter starts creeping in. Like I can't stay healthy. These guys aren't protecting me. Like there's this season is unfortunately pretty much shot. Even if, I mean, if they want out, it's different, but, or, or, you know, salvage a way to make the playoffs, but even if they make the playoffs, like no offense, I, I just don't think they're strong enough across the board. And no, I would I, going into the playoffs and getting, you know, let's say beat by 10, 14. It's, that's a gut nut punch to, you know, epic proportions in the first round. Like you don't want that. So yeah, I think you guys got to focus on, on the, the areas that you need to improve. That's the biggest thing. And I'd say O-line is one of those and like the play calling and things, but yeah, I think it's a better, obviously in the long term, if you guys don't even make the playoffs, because then you might see them make that aggressive move or go out and get, you know, that offensive lineman they trade a, a first rounder for or what, whatever they got to do to to be the Steelers of the past. Because that that division, I mean, you, you, you bring Burrow back next year. You know, we don't know what that's going to look like, but I do kind of trust Joe Burrow. And then obviously Baltimore hasn't lost a step. They might be the one of the best they're not one of like, they, they might be the best team in football. You know, we will wait and see on that, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it's a tough place to be in. And I hate, I hate being in that position. Cause it's like, you know, how far are we away from being that team? You know, well, you saw it last year. They, you know, in essence, it was Belichick playing douchebag to block the jets from getting Broderick Jones. So, you know, you saw them do business with the Steelers. That's how Pittsburgh gets Broderick Jones, who had they had made certain decisions earlier in the year, I think this season would have played out a bit different. If you'd started Broderick Jones over Chuck Sakura for a lot earlier, I think this run game would have found its identity earlier. If you'd started Joey Porter Jr. off the bat and just take the gamble, I think this season plays out a lot different. But, you know, th- th- this goes to coaching, evaluation, scouting, and they failed in those departments because now you know what you have with these guys, but it's too late. That's the problem. You can't sit here, draft these guys, and then not give them the shot. You drafted them for a reason. Let's see what they got on the main stage. If they don't have it, okay, no harm, no foul. They just don't start. You just bring them in for a drive here or there to spell Levi Wallace or whoever the fuck. I mean, it doesn't really, it doesn't matter. But the the, the Steelers got to get away. It, you know, it, it you know, it's like the Yankees how they do things archaic. The Steelers do things very archaic as well. Like they have this comfortability. Like it's like going to a sleepover. Like they'll go to a sleepover two houses down, but they won't go to one around the block because it's too far for them. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like that. You have to break away from this comfort zone and do things nobody would expect. Because right now, the mentality in the NFL is win now, build to win now. And you see that with a lot of these teams. Like right now, like, like, like look, at, I hate to say it, the Niners. Trade for Chase Young. You only made that defense that much better. McCaffrey, you know, like they, they unloaded to get him. That's been probably the best trade in the last couple of years. Look at... Um, you you guys just took what's his face uh, that got released from the Colts. Oh yeah, and it, yeah Shaq Leonard. And Dong yeah. Su is gonna sign somewhere soon. Um, you know, like these guys, these teams are picking up guys that have literally been sitting on their couch for 10, 11 weeks because they want to win now. The Rams took the big gamble, traded Goff for Stafford, 
brought in OBJ, brought in Von Miller, brought in all these pieces, and it and it panned out for year one, but it hasn't worked since. So so the the build now mentality to win now, it works, but it doesn't always work year two. And if the Steelers did that and we got one next year, let's say, I'd be fine with that. And then not win one for two years, then win another one. I would be fine with that. Because you have because <laughs> yeah. Tomlin has to prove that he could win one before he walks away with guys he's helped draft and guys that he's brought in. He's got to prove that because otherwise, yeah, you, you, like 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 people say, if you if you fire Tomlin right now, like if I was Art Rooney the second and I went to Tomlin, I said, listen, um, the end of the year, uh, you know, we're gonna let you go, but we're gonna let you go on your accord. So like when you do the press conference, you could say it was up to you. You made the decision. You're going to take a higher role in the organization, whatever it is. Um, if he doesn't win one with his with his core guys, you you got a question: Is he a Hall of Fame coach or not? But people are saying if you fire him, somebody will sign him right away. That see, I, and, and I don't know how accurate that is. Well, they and I I love that you brought that up because. They were saying the the same thing with Brian Cashman. They're you know Michael Kay and all those guys are like you know thirty other baseball teams or you know twenty nine whatever would would oh, pick up. And and I don't necessarily I don't agree with that either. But I think you know he he would get picked up somewhere. Don't get me wrong. Maybe the Brewers. Maybe the the Giants. You know those the, like somewhere. But just because like I, I hate that argument. I think that argument doesn't mean shit because it's like. You know what you have, kind of with because I go back. I I argue with Joey about Penn State's coach all the time. Like now, this is going to be our sixth offensive coordinator in ten years under James Franklin, our head coach. But they never, they never, you know, it's not like Joey will tell me, oh well, you know, we're 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 winning ten games a year. Okay, but we're not. That's not the ultimate. If that's your ultimate goal, I I think you got to raise the bar. Like a winning season for Pittsburgh, that's not the ultimate goal. I, I just think. I don't care if you're the, I mean, yeah, if you're the Cardinals next year, you want to win six, seven games or something like you're not looking to win the division because you won three games this year or whatever. But for people to say, oh, well, if the Steelers got rid of Tomlin, he'd be picked up right away. Okay, so be it. But, you know, can you say he necessarily was a lights out coach in Pittsburgh? I don't think you can technically say that because, I mean, yes, it was the New England dynasty, but every year they they can't not every year they came into Pittsburgh, but they they came into Pittsburgh enough and beat, you know, yeah. a quote unquote defensive genius. That's Mike Tomlin. And it's like, I, at the, at the end of the day, for me, it's results driven. Like our, the Eagles defense is horrible. And we, we thought it would be better with this new defensive coordinator. And at times I think it is better. I think the scheme is better, but it's still not executing. So at the end of the day, it's all about execution. Like if you're not executing, I don't care if the Cowboys would go out and get Mike Tomlin next year. Like, Okay. You know, best wishes to him. But if he's not yeah. winning for your team, at the end of the day, what are you afraid that he's going to go somewhere else and get hired? I mean, that's just sometimes you got to roll the dice. Like I'm not saying they have to right now, right here, but for people to come saying, you know, coming out of the woodwork, oh, you know, if Tomlin got fired, if Brian Cashman got fired, these guys would get scooped. Maybe right, but at the end of the day, does that really matter to your organization? Not at all. Well, because like when they brought up the whole, you know, if Tomlin got fired, blah, 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 and did this. But it's like, it was the same thing. Like you guys won, you guys won the Super Bowl in, in 17. Yeah. And then you guys moved on from Doug Peterson, what, a year or two later? 
Uh, I think it was technically three, but yeah, I mean, whatever. It was it was so shortly like, thereafter. So it's like, I mean, if you could fire a coach for three years after winning a Super Bowl for for Nick Scarani, I mean, I'm not knocking Nick Scarani at all. I mean, other people do, but I love the fact. Listen, I have no issue with him going down the tunnel at Arrowhead saying, I don't hear you saying shit now, Chiefs fan. Shut the fuck up. I have no issue with that. I don't care because, you know, like people people bash Nick Scarani for the way he is, like how he'll go at it with fans. But you know what? If, if you're going to run your mouth, somebody's going to run theirs back at you. Oh, yeah. So don't get butthurt about it. And for people in the media to sit there and say, well, you know, he needs to set a better example. Well, okay, I'll give you that. But again, it's we're all human beings. How much shit can you take before you're like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to oh, say like, what I want. Like, I mean, remember the clip of not to take shots, but like, you know, Mike Tomlin walking in that tunnel and that fan's like, all right, Tomlin, go get him or something. And he said, I'm fucking working. Um, yeah, like, I don't knock I don't knock Tomlin for say I don't knock Tomlin for saying that, you know. But it's not like the fan was sitting there running his mouth. Tomlin could have been like, "Listen, you know, I'll get at you later." Yeah, like, or he just could have said, you know, <laughs> like, thanks and kept it. Like any, I, I, like, like we said, like it's hard to. We've touched on that a, a couple times. It's hard to separate like your emotion in that moment because yeah. you know there's been players that you know they clap back to fans. There's like. Philadelphia specifically, New York, like these these fans are they do anything they try and get any dirt on you to get under your I mean and they take shots at your family, your mom, like they don't they to them sports is like every everything in their being. So I mean and, and for a fan to take listen, if you're going to do that and it's like Jamal Adams, if you have an like if the fans going to clap at the player, then keep it about the player. And it's the same thing with Jamal Adams. If, if you have an issue with this Jet reporter because he criticized your horrible play and is still criticizing you to this day because you fucking suck still, okay? Make it about him. Why are you bringing his wife into it? And then you come out in an interview, and for the life of me, what, why would you ever say this? Like, like, like you know how the media is. They're going to take what you say, and they're going to run with it. Well, if you go low at me, I'm going to go lower. So in other words, what you're saying is, is that you're an adult with the mindset of an eight-year-old and he's going to be immature where it's like, okay, you know, like when you make a your mama joke, so somebody makes it back. So like, that's how Jamal Adams is. And, and you, you know, again, you, you have an issue with this person, keep it with that person. You know, like when I have issues with Browns fans, I don't, you know, like they'll say shit to me in my, in my inbox. I wish I would screenshot half this shit. I just wind up deleting it. They'll be like, oh, well, you know, they'll just say like the most dumbest shit. And then they'll like bring family into it. And I was like, yo, dude, I'm talking about your team. I'm not talking about your mother giving birth to the biggest mistake on God's green earth, which is you. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, keep it about the fucking topic at hand. Otherwise, I'm not going to sit here and continue to fucking type to you. I'll tell you, go fuck off and, you know, go get hit by a fucking bus, whatever it is. I, I don't care at that point. And ju just fucking keep it moving. You know, like, but the other issue is with these fans that nobody discusses is the amount of alcohol consumed before and during the game. And that's, what, and that's what alters a lot of the behavior. And that's why you see these fucking fans fighting each other. What the fuck is that? Uh, there's, I've seen clips where, like, like a guy will 
uppercut a woman in the in the and I'm not making a joke of that. Like it's it's like holy, like it's no. it, it, it's almost to the point where it's unbelievable the shit that goes on. And well, there, was that, like, there was that Niner fan who I dragged the one woman down the stairs, and somebody got a script. Somebody took a clean shot out of him, put it on Twitter, and said, "Find this guy so we could beat the ever living shit out of him." Right. I mean, why not? The guy probably don't even live in San Francisco. He probably fucking flew there. He probably lives in fucking Podunk, Rhode Island somewhere, friggin' making pizza. Who the fuck knows? You're not going to find him. Yeah, if he's if he has any brain, he wouldn't be from there because, yeah, no, I, I'm i with you, man. Like, it's it's completely out of hand, and these players, like, it goes both ways. Like, you know, you can't be saying outlandish shit to these players, but then you think the players should take the high road. I mean, at the end of the day, yes, they're – they have a stressful job, this and that, and like it's at the highest level. I can't imagine like the dedication, but you're getting paid millions of dollars to play the game that you love, or at least most of them love, or some. Yeah, like at least have some. Uh, like if you want to come at it, a reporter, that's one thing. Even though that's not going to get you anywhere, but to go at somebody's wife, like man, you're in such a better position than that reporter. Like just in life in general, and like you you have to stoop that low. Like you're you're an immature asshole. Well, we've also seen where where fans have created a spectacle because we can go back to 2004, the most infamous incident of all, the malice in the palace. I mean, you literally had you, you had a hard foul. Ben Wallace took offense to it, shoves the one guy. They start shoving each other. All of a sudden, the fans think they're a part of it. They're throwing shit at Ron Artest, which is the biggest mistake you can make. You already know Ron Artest is a fucking, uh, a fucking mental case. And then yeah. you have these announcers like bashing the players because now the fans are coming at the players and it's like, dude, I don't blame Steven Jackson for going up into the stands. You have 10 fans beating the shit out of Ron Artest. Steven Jackson's out there fucking Fritz Colcock and everybody on God's green earth. I, I Listen, I remember the malice in the palace like it was yesterday. <laughs> Literally, like I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in my apartment. Everybody's calling me up. I'm like, how about instead of calling me, this thing's going to last for like a half hour. Why don't you just fucking come over and let's just fucking watch it? <laughs> we're sitting there watching it. And, and, my, and my one friend, this being so serious about everything. He's like, this is a fucking disgrace. I was like, yo, the door's right there. Go fucking see your way out because I love it right now. <laughs> I mean, something so unexpected as that, like you're, <laughs> it's, a, you but, turn but out, it's not hockey. That's where, that's where as a fan, you have to have this, you, you have to act with some sort of decorum. And you have to be mindful of everyone else around you. And for some, they just can't do that. Like, like, like I've been to Yankee games where people want to start their shit. And I'm like, yeah, you know what, dude? Fucking go have another Coors Light and just shut the fuck up and just fucking keep it moving. I, 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 I don't get into that shit. I'll find a way out before I got to fucking throw a fist. It's not worth it. It's not worth I, it. I, you know what? Not for nothing. I like this side of the jail wall, not the inside part. <laughs> And 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 now and now like that I'm keeping my anal virginity intact. <laughs> shit comes out, shit don't go in. <laughs> you and me so, both, man. <laughs> Can't imagine. That's like my number one. I was talking to my roommate about that. Like that is, I, we were talking about like you know the worst situations, and not to make light of like you know diseases, cancer, this and that, and like you know sicknesses, and then like there's jail. It's like. Uh, jail you have no like you're you're trapped i think you're you're yep. and that to me like not having the freedom to move around even like i i've been sick you know i didn't go to work today and i barely got i got out of the house for like maybe an hour hour and a half too it's torture to me so i'm like 
shit, man. If I'm ever eat, like, I won't make it in there. I'm not. I'm not seeing the other side. I could tell people is if you want to do something stupid, if you have HBO Max, go watch Oz. Because that'll show you what jail life is really fucking like. You will be somebody's you'll be somebody's preg. If you've never watched Oz, I suggest you go watch it. Because that was a show ahead of its fucking time. Because you couldn't you couldn't have that show out now with these sensitive fucking Karen's out there. Yeah. Yeah. I watch like Real World Police. 60 days in like I, I catch up on those a lot so I'll definitely give that a listen but yeah I think for the most part man we uh we rounded the bases again because I mean we touched on so much but definitely want to shout out a couple of our podcasting friends uh 1420 sports podcast like like Jim famously says they have like eight trillion episodes or eight trillion different type of episodes now so um whenever I look up there's a different there's now a new one so um, yeah, some, something will will tickle your fan, you know, your fancy over there, and uh, also two dudes with sports news. Obviously, fan in the van. If you're not tuning into him, I I, I suggest you get therapy immediately. So, um, yeah, it was always it's always fun. I'll I'll let the people know, or I'll let you tell the people where you or where they can find you. That was a a colossal fumble, but uh, yeah, man, had fun, and uh, I'll let you take us out. All right, so pretty much you can find me on the uh, Below IQ app, known as Twitter, uh, <laughs> at, at Fan in the Van, although it might be getting changed to Long Island Nostradamus or Long Island Pro- Prognosticator. Um, I don't know yet. It's it, I don't, Most people could just find me at Fan in the Van. I think it's just simple. I think if I change the name, people be like, who the fuck's this guy? And it'll be like, hey, still me, asshole. You know, Um but yeah, you can find me on there. I'm on TikTok, Fan in the Van podcast. Um, you know, pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts, you're gonna find Fan in the Van. You'll find episodes of Steel and Teal. Um, I even do a show with with Average Joe Sports, which is mainly biweekly based on scheduling. Uh, we'll actually be live tomorrow night at eight thirty. I actually have a buddy of mine that worked with me coming on as a guest. Can't believe I'm having a Ravens fan on. Holy fucking shit! Oh, that'll be that'll be a battle. Uh, I'm sure of it. Well, well, we kind of look at things the same way because, like, I'm a guy that I'll give credit where credits due, unless you're Deshaun Watson <laughs> or, the, or the Cleveland Browns for that matter. Except like me, I'll give Miles Garrett credit for his for his play and like Denzel Ward and Nick Chubb. But that's about it. But like, you know, I could get along with Ravens fans as long as you're knowledgeable. Since he's one of them, I could get along with them, but. Some of them, oof. Oh, oh, oh. I'll say it once and say it again. I, I think the 49ers have the worst fan base in football. I'm not just saying that because the, the Eagles just got their ass whooped, and I'll be the first one to put that on front street. They got their absolute ass penetrated all afternoon. But, oh, my God, you should see the Twitter wars I get in with those people, and all they do is just say, you suck. We didn't really lose last year. At the end of the day, you did. Like I've never seen a fan base in large numbers say we didn't lose a game that you actually did. So we'll see. I, I have my hesitations. I'm always a pessimist when it comes to the Eagles, but if we lose any playoff game, I hope it's not to them. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yep. Oh, because so, you'll never get the fucking end of it. <laughs> never. And they'll they'll go to the Super Bowl and lose again. So it's all right. Yes. But uh we'll catch you guys later. It was uh quite a long show, so hopefully you guys hung in there for most of it and uh yeah, you'll see this one uploaded on the uh, list of platforms like like uh, Jim said, Apple, you know, Spotify, Good Pods, all that. So we'll uh, we'll catch you later. Peace.